Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. Let's face it, you have hundreds, no, you have millions of choices when it comes to podcasts, and yet here you are listening to this one, and I greatly appreciate that. And today, we're going to buckle down. We're going to talk about process and innovation. I don't care where you are in business, you need better processes, and innovation is always a thing that's going to lead you forward to victory. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And just full disclosure, I work for Stanton Chase. So if you're looking to build your senior leadership team, talk to me. I can help connect you with some of the best search people in the world who are going to make sure that that process runs smoothly for you. So speaking of process, today we are going to talk with Max Warren, and he is the founder of Rining, right, excuse me, he is the founder of Rising Phoenix Consulting, and uh, Max is a really good guy. So the thing about Max is he helps business owners figure out sales and technology that helps them grow faster with high-value clients. And let's face it, we can waste a lot of time with low-value clients, so we really should be listening to what Max Warren has to say today. Max, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's extremely cool to be here, especially since I've listened to a bunch of the episodes, so it's nice to find myself in this seat being interviewed. I appreciate it. No, not not a problem, and I think that, that people need to hear what it is that you do and how you help companies. So let's give a little bit of your background. Let's go into the Wayback Machine. Uh, where did Max start, and how did Max get to where he is today with Rising Phoenix Consulting? Oh, this will be fun. So um, I was I, a very long time ago uh, in telecom. I was a sales engineer before I was a sales guy. And uh, this is a very true story. So I was I was giving switch tours. I was doing technical diagrams. I would go out on sales calls, but I was the propeller head in the room. And my buddy, Scott, who was, um, he was one of these guys like jump on an opportunity. He had this massive deal in Vienna, Virginia, and he drags me um, out the door and I'm like, where are we going? And he goes, I'm going to take you to lunch, but first I need you to do something for me. I need you to close this deal. And I'm like, what close? I, I don't speak sales at this point, so I don't know what this means. And we're driving there and we get into the room and then he looks at me and he goes, oh, by the way, you're presenting. And I'm like, I'm presenting. He goes, yes. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? He goes, I don't give a damn what you do. Draw a line down the center of the whiteboard, write the problem on the left and the solution on the right and tell him why he should be using our tech. So I got up at the front of the room. I drew a line down the middle of the whiteboard. I drew the problem on the right. I drew the solution on the left. I walked them through the process. The CFO was at the back of the room about halfway through this meeting, nodding, nodding, nodding. And then they walks to the the two other guys in the room, they confer, and then they look up and they say, great, can we get a contract and get started? And of course, Scott looks at me and he goes, you closed that deal. And I was like, I did? And we went to lunch, at which point over a couple of beers, he persuaded me I should become a salesperson. Um, So that 
that ironically enough, starting in tech has always been a part of the DNA of how I approach things. So that led to um, getting into IT as an inside sales guy, then marketing became a part of the mix and then back to outside sales. So I was wearing three hats for six and a half years and I, and it was a startup. I've lived, I think I've lived and worked in a ton of startup environments, telco, IT. Uh, I helped co-found a company and, and, with a couple of other guys addressing these similar needs, you know, specific to people that are thought leaders. And then um, now with, with rising Phoenix, this is really sort of coming full circle, even drawing from the last six, six to nine months of my experience where I've started to see other pieces that I missed along the way. The tech and the sales piece have always been predominant, but innovation as a piece of it, I, I spaced it, even though that was going on the whole time. It's almost like it's happening. It's in the mix. There's no label for it. All of a sudden, a couple of conversations, the light bulb comes on and I'm like, oh, we really are talking about innovation, aren't we? That's really what this boils down to. So so you've worked for a bunch of companies. You've also done some stuff on your own. And now, and now you're launching this this new this new venture on your own. What led you to this whole idea of being an entrepreneur and, and helping other businesses? Um, it's probably a combination of things. Uh, be, being an entrepreneur has, I think, partly to do with um, enjoying suffering, strain, frustration, stress, and and very long hours to having to become self-educated. Uh, there, even the guidebooks, the seminars, and the webinars for entrepreneurship fall short of the actual experience. Um, I I've always enjoyed being able to do my own thing or be able to have my own style. And I have not done well (laughs) when I don't have a measure of freedom to do that. So um, for me, it's, it's partially driven by the fact that I, I like to, to improvise and make it up as I go along. And sometimes, you know, the, the being in the corporate mold doesn't allow for that. And it got me in trouble a couple of times of, you know, sharing information that they felt like I shouldn't have shared or saying, you know, you could always do this. And it didn't beat a path to our door for the high dollar sale, but I was trying to serve the client. So I think the underlying motive here is I really want to serve people and offer a lens to look at their business and uh, help them grow because everyone is chasing growth in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes from a point, a standpoint of recovery, they expected something to happen and it did not, or something unexpected happened, <coughs> COVID, um, things like that have occurred. And just being able to um, give people not just um, – a framework, a concept, or a strategy, but show them how they can actually ground that in practice, in automation, in software, in a written process, that they can test it, they can improve upon it. It gives them a sense of being in control of their destiny as an entrepreneur, and it helps them actually get a real-world handle on how do I add revenue? How do I talk to these targeted clients? How do I break into this new market? And once they start to realize what's possible, that really gets them energized and they're willing to risk a little bit. So that whole environment, I think, is what makes me come alive and also seeing the real-world impact. You know, when somebody says, I closed that deal, or I, I was able to ask for more than I normally ask for, or I pushed the conversation and got them to commit to 12 months instead of six months. Those little incremental wins are powerful. 
So who's the ideal client? What size company for Rising Phoenix Consulting? I would say um, really that the small to medium-sized business owner, that's that's forward-thinking and growth-oriented. Um, it is not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, I'm not an enterprise solution guy. Uh, you know, if somebody has enterprise dollars, they're, they're better off finding somebody who can give them, you know, the, the Accenture, McKinsey kind of level uh, strategy and implementation. But for small to medium-sized business owners, having been in their shoes and having built businesses and having failed, <laughs> fallen down, gotten back up and said, well, that wasn't right. And starting over, I, I can appreciate their position. So you talked about the fact before we got started that you focus on kind of three areas, sales enablement, business mm-hmm. systems, and process innovation. So to that small and mid-sized business, what do those three things even mean? Let's start with sales enablement. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, try to take some of the mystery and and the and make this real world. So sales enablement looks like a lot of different things, but essentially what it is, we talk about marketing, we talk about sales, but sales enablement is giving your sales person or people or if it's CEO or C-led sales giving you the right tools and the right process to make selling easier and more effective. Um, Let me give you a for example. You can build a pipeline and it doesn't matter if that pipeline is on an Excel spreadsheet or in a CRM or on a piece of paper or on your whiteboard. Everybody has a mechanism. But if you aren't digital with a pipeline, then what you're doing is you aren't leveraging, for example, automation or workflows or indicators. Like if something sits in a pipeline, a deal, an opportunity, and it's been sitting for a longer period of time than it should, you can use digital tools that can send you an email or a reminder or a screen pop that says, hey, Joe, this has been sitting here for three and a half weeks with no movement. And if you're a smart entrepreneur and it took you hours of marketing you know, thought process and the website and the dollars, and maybe you're spending money for an outreach company, and maybe you're spending money for a business development rep or somebody to make cold calls. How are you going to, once you've invested that money, capitalize on those dollars by giving yourself the edge and have a simple little reminder that three and a half weeks in is going to ping you to tell you, pick up the phone or send an email or, you know, send a joke or something relevant to this customer because you spent a tremendous amount of time and money to get them, to get them into a conversation. And now they're in your pipeline and they're just sitting there. They're stuck. So sales enablement is designed to unclog that pipeline and also add some speed to the close, um, make things simpler. Uh, one thing I can think of right off the top of my head, uh, this is not a shameless plug for PandaDoc, but that's one of them. Uh, how about an e-sign? How about not sending paper back and forth with fax or not scanning? Print this and scan it and send it back to me. How about we just use something as simple as an e-signature? That is a very basic way of enabling sales to go faster because Sending that e-signature over means that that MSA gets signed much more quickly and everybody's happy. I can countersign it with the click of a button, send it back. We're done. Next, now we can start solving problems. So that's that's what I mean by sales enablement. Um, a concrete example of business systems is is simple. Some people say, so a business system is a CRM. Not exactly. That is a software. A business system would be, I have a website and I have a form on my website. When someone fills out that form, it 
pushes out a thank you email, I get a notification, but it also creates a task in my CRM. That is a business system. That is a, from the website, when someone drops by and they maybe download a white paper or they subscribe to my newsletter or my podcast because I've got relevant content for them as a business owner. And then there's a, there's a, a, specific way that they flow through into my CRM so that now they're on my radar or my salesperson's radar to send them a message and say, hey, saw you downloaded the white paper. Um, maybe the white paper's on um, reaching reaching people through Clubhouse or maybe it's reaching people through holding um, webinars. Then you may say to them, hey, Hal, hope you enjoyed the white paper. Just curious, what are your goals for growing this year with your business with white, with using webinars? Well, now we've got a, a sales conversation going. So to me, the business system is you're connecting the dots and you have a process, but you've got a way that there's actually baked into your software, baked into your web presence, a way to make that a reality. And the last piece is really simple, process innovation. First of all, you have to document. <laughs> and most people, it's like, do you have a written sales process, a documented sales process? Well, I have a script. Nope, that's not what I mean. I'm not asking if you have a sales script. What I want to know is from the time that someone raises their hand or the time that someone interacts with you on a plane, on your website, at a trade show, you give a keynote, you 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 know, they saw you through a podcast interview, something happens that triggers their interest in you. Once that occurs, do you have a methodology on paper somewhere or in a, in a chart or documented in a way that you can see the methodology and you can ask yourself periodically, does it work or doesn't it work? And for us, the, the way that I learned this is because there was a, a private equity firm that said, we have a particular interest in this company and they seem to have some challenges in regards to um, growth and reaching the right people and through a process with with a with a team of people wasn't just max it was me with another team but i got to learn firsthand how innovation was being overlooked and once we were able to map a process we were able to clearly identify hey we can drop in resources like a VA here critically in this stage of the game, that's going to massively change it. By the way, this seems like a disconnect where this handoff could take place. How do we shore that up? A two sentence email and a link shored that up. So, so process innovation looks like you get it out in front of you and you get it documented. And then you start to ask yourself the hard questions, which is what's working about this and what's not working. And then you're able to actually innovate. And there are smarter, wiser people than me that have actually done all of this. And there are ways of looking at this conceptually to see how to do that. But what I've figured out just by experience and talking to people and and lots and lots and lots of conversations with different kind of business owners and entrepreneurs that making sales enablement a reality figuring out what business systems actually look like for them and how to do that, and then figuring out process innovation. Those three keys can really make the difference in a quarter in terms of 
I won that account that I always wanted because I tightened these three things up. Or just becoming aware of them made me realize that I wasn't spending enough money on software, that I had I was I was being a Luddite and I didn't know it. I wasn't I could have made changes and I didn't know it. So to me, as I've looked at if there's three levers that you're gonna throw as a as an entrepreneur, as a business owner that are gonna have the biggest impact and the most far reaching impact, it really feels like these three are are key pieces that can happen to create positive change in any company. So there was a lot of stuff there and I want to unpack a couple. (laughs) I want to unpack a couple of those things, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you like all of them by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Max Warren. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Max, I I just want to clarify kind of on these things because you gave us a lot of information behind sales enablement, business systems, and process innovation. When you're looking at small to mid-sized companies that might have just a handful of people, when we Uh really talk about sales enablement, what is one tip that someone can put into place today that's going to enable them when it comes to sales? Um, One simple thing is drift video. Simple, okay? Video is powerful. Video can be leveraged in ways that you cannot communicate through a text message. Uh, Just sat through a training and a seminar that those guys put on yesterday. Fantastic. Um, Not getting paid for this, by the way, but I'm I'm a huge proponent. I love what they do, and I love how they think. Um, Learning to use video with a chat-enabled piece is going to change the game. It is it is inexpensive to the tune of less than 50 bucks a month if you if you want to implement this and this is this is the kind of impact that it can have you're now able to speak personally to someone you're seeing a human being and if a, if you send someone a video message as they're watching it the chatbot is smart enough to come up and say hey have you learned anything new? Do you have any questions? You want to talk to sales or just keep watching? And if the person is like, actually, I do have a question. Yes, I have a question. That chat pings the person and says, hey, so-and-so is watching your video and they have a question. And it creates real time. So if I were to say one thing sales enablement wise, do yourself a favor and check out Drift Video and realize that what is occurring there is personalized real-time communication through video. Very, very different um, value proposition than, hi, Doug, Max here. I had a quick question about your business. I'm very curious. Have you three points in a poem and then a close in an email, whereas in a video, it feels much more human, human to human. And also it gives Doug in the moment, the opportunity while his impulse and his engagement level are at their highest before he gets distracted by a million things to decide, you know what? I do want to talk to somebody. I absolutely have a question about this. So that to me is a really simple fix that is inexpensive. That can radically change how people engage with your company. Awesome. So let's move to business systems. What's one tip that people can do right now to help them with their business systems? One tip, 
Look at your website and take a couple of friendlies that you know in business that people that care about you and ask them to go through your website as if they are engaging with any and all content that you have and have them walk through your funnel and give you honest precise feedback on what their experience is. The reason being is because we're too close to our websites. We're too close to the copy that we write. And if we can find a handful of people who are willing to actually go through, download the white paper, read the content, and then if there are subsequent drip emails, let them stay in that flow. And then having gone through it, give you honest feedback of, of did it work and what happened for them. The reason being is because if the goal of your website is to convert people who are, they're complete unknowns, they're suspects, into someone who's engaged and sees you as being able to solve a problem, if you've spent all the time to build that engagement through the website and drip email, you really need to know if it's working or not. And you really need to know if your calls to action are meaningful or not. So finding a couple of people to help you evaluate that as objectively as possible, that is going to give you game-changing information on it. does that need to be cleaned up? Is it working as is? Are there small tweaks that are going to take me less than an hour that could bump my conversion rate significantly? That Just that little exercise alone is going to be huge. All right, last question, process innovation. One tip. One tip on process innovation. Everybody right now is on multiple channels, meaning that there's web, email, clubhouse, webinars, LinkedIn, all different channels. If your sales process today does not include one channel that is uncomfortable for you, unknown to you, or currently not in use, you are in a rut. Because as a person who wants to grow their business, as a person who wants to be visible across multiple channels, a simple innovation is look for a place where your clients are that you are not, that they aren't seeing you, that they aren't hearing you, that you're not connecting with them or being visible to them in some way and go there. Um, Are you suggesting that I invest in billboards, Max? What are you trying to tell me right now? No, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you go crazy. What I'm saying is make a calculated risk. Take the time on a Sunday afternoon, a cup of coffee, cup of whiskey, whatever your preference is, sit down and actually look at where are people finding you. Then find a place where you'd like to be found that you're not and put yourself there in some way, shape or form. If that's, there are podcasts that you know that people that should be working with you, they're part of that listenership, reach out to the podcast host and say, hey, I'd really like it if you'd interview me because I feel like I could offer some value to your listening audience and some of those folks may want to work with me at some point. So simple things like that, Tom, they're not complicated, but what they take is awareness and commitment to make a change. So Max, if someone's listening to this and they think, I can't do this alone, I need to work with somebody like Max at at Rising Phoenix Consulting, how do they find you? Easiest way, jump on to risingphoenixconsulting.com. Yes, and it is absurdly long domain URL. Bear with me. Just do that. Uh, At risingphoenixconsulting.com, you can reach out by phone. You can fill out a form, which is connected on the back end to other things. I will be notified. Uh, I will reach out to them. And um, basically, we set up a conversation. You can book a meeting for a quick chat with me, 30 minutes. Uh, maybe we use all 30, maybe we don't, but you can write from the website, grab a meeting time with me, and we can talk. Uh, I like to just 
you know, learn more, understand what you're trying to get done, make recommendations and suggestions. And if you find that there are some things you want to tackle and you're looking for some advice and some expert implementation, then, you know, who knows? Awesome. And a little plug, I've actually worked with Max in a previous iteration of his life. Uh, and I will say he's one of the only vendors I ever worked with that I made more money out of working with him than he got paid. And so oftentimes when you have a consultant or someone who's helping you, they get paid regardless of what happens, but uh, he actually delivered results. So uh, I'm sure in this new iteration of his career, he's going to be great as well. So check out risingphoenixconsulting.com. Look for Max Warren and pay attention in your business to your processes and your innovation because it matters. All right. Thank you so much, Max, for being on the show. Pleasure. Thanks, Tom. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this podcast? Uh, Be sure to tell your friends. People say they find podcasts because of word of mouth. And while we live in this age of likes, links, shares, and follows and clicks, the reality is word of mouth is still the most powerful thing out there. So go out there and tell a friend about making waves at sea level. Because every time I talk to somebody who listens to the show, I say, how'd you find it? They go, my mom, my brother, my boss, somebody told me to listen to this show. And then I was hooked. So maybe one of your friends uh, will get hooked and become a regular listener as well. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.